We're very thankful today to be joined by Marty Strong. Marty is a uh, retired Navy SEAL. He is a business leader. He currently works as CEO and CSO of LGS Management Group. Marty, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Will. Well, we mentioned a few things about your background, but I'll let you do a little bit fuller introduction of yourself. Uh, if I asked the question, who is Marty Strong, what would you say? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a split personality. I spend you know, my day job attention is on the companies that I lead. About 800 employees all in across 17 states and two different operating entities, one's healthcare and one's training. And then all my spare time, I spend writing either articles or books, including novels. And uh, you have a book that's soon to be released called Be Visionary. It may actually already be available. I see it as a January 2023 uh, date here next to it in my notes. Uh, Tell me, is that book available now? It's available for for pre-sale and uh, on Amazon. Then it comes out officially on the 1st of January. And what is uh, Be Visionary in a nutshell about? Sure. So the subtitle talks to it a little bit. The subtitle is Strategic Leadership in the Age of Optimization. It's about the tension in organizations. It doesn't matter if it's for-profit or non-profit or, or uh, political, where people become more and more enamored of measuring ever, ever more granularity through the technology tools that, that we have at our disposal, focusing on the past, focusing on measuring the past, and forgetting actually to look up over the next hedge or down the road to see what's coming at them in the future. So it's a, it's a book about how to become visionary, how to kind of get your head out of the sand and as a practice, look out at the horizon, both for threats that may become an edge, but also for opportunities. Can you give me an example of something that has uh, happened in recent years where people were not understanding the concept that you're talking about, about the overvaluation of optimization in business? Sure. So about, see, seven or eight years ago, I was having a conversation with a woman that had started, initially it was a book printing and binding company, but then she got into all kinds of different media printing, and she was doing really well. She had about 200 employees. She lived in a, or worked in a brick building in, I believe it was Kentucky, and things were going along really well, and then she started to lose her primary customers, and so eventually she started asking the question, you know, why? Why are you leaving me after all these years? And they basically said, we, we love you, but we're getting we're getting bids for our work that are half of what you're charging us. And she said, well, from who? And is it the same quality? She said, actually, actually, it's very good quality, and they're very responsive, and some of the artwork is incredible. So when she looked into it, she realized that the competition had started to gig out or freelance almost every function in putting together the materials, designing the materials, et cetera. And she had all full-time employees with benefits. So she dug her heels in, kind of ignored the information she was getting, went another four or five years, and got to a tipping point where if she kept going the way she was going, she'd have to shutter the business. So she had to convert. She had realized that the future was arriving on her doorstep. The future was a competitive landscape made up by integrator companies that were using talent from all over the world to produce what she had been producing on one floor of a five-story building. So 
that, that kind of tells you what happens. You know, now if you're looking out and you see it coming, then you act on your timeline and maybe you transition or pivot in a way that you start to, you know, be a leader in that new paradigm. Of course, the question is, how do you change? Because obviously, in business, there's both a head and a heart that play into the decision making. And I'm sure that woman had relationships with these employees who she had known, who had helped, you know, build that business over time. I'm sure some of that played into it. Uh, just generally the unwillingness to want to adapt because it's easier to focus on the short term day to day and just grind through it. So do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Well, I think it's, you know, it's, it's tough to be a business owner. It's tough to lead businesses and organizations and, you know, the, the days that we have around us in, in the future, change is going to be coming faster and faster and faster. Technology is driving that. Globalization has been driving that for quite a while. And, you know, the law of the universe is that change is inevitable and change is happening all around us. So you have to understand that you're, you're in an arena that's defined by change. So any status quo is probably suspicious at any given time. Now, I'm not saying that that, that other example that she didn't actually offer freelance opportunities to most of her employees and she probably did so they didn't lose a job per se they just got transitioned out otherwise she would have shuttered the place and they were all lost their jobs so i think you're right you you start a company with a certain a certain structure a certain approach maybe a certain product that you love everybody loves to make and suddenly nobody likes your product anymore or it looks like you're, they're trending in a different direction so you have to start making decisions. And if you don't make decisions, the same outcome. The people that you're care, caring about, the employees that you hire, they're all going to end up with other jobs someplace else anyway because you let the ship hit the rocks. Marty Strong is with us. His new book is entitled Be Visionary. Of course, we mentioned in your bio that you're a retired Navy SEAL. Can you share us a story about uh, your experience as a Navy SEAL and what motivated you originally to want to uh, join the military? My father was a, a radar operator in the Korean War on a destroyer. Both me and my brother ended up joining the Navy. I think largely in part of his, due to his, uh, his influence, my brother ended up in submarines. I ended up in the SEAL teams. I, uh, I had a really great time. I, I still bump into guys all the time. I, I talk to them on social media. People that I, that I knew all through the 20 years, that's one of the great things about social media is guys like me can actually connect with people that we never saw again once we moved on to the next SEAL team or, or moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. So as much as the movies, I guess, parody the, the superhero Marvel Comics book act, aspect of special operations and especially SEALs, the part that, that everybody that's been a SEAL remembers is the, the what they call the brotherhood, the camaraderie. The fact that you could count on each other, that they had your, your back, that you knew that everybody was trying as hard as they could every day when they woke up to be better than the day before and to be better so that they could be there for the people on their left and their right. So that is a really unique experience, and I was lucky enough to do that for 20 years, and uh, every couple of days I, I, I sit down and I just miss it. Do you remember what it, what it felt like the first day you were no longer in a Navy SEAL? <laughs> um, I've often wondered if, if it's the same feeling that an NFL player feels the, the, the first day he's not an NFL player or anybody else in professional sports. It's one minute you're at the top of the game 
you know you're the best at what you do in the world and you're surrounded by the best and you really are an expert in so many things and the next day you're just a dude standing there <laughs> um and there's not a whole lot that conveys from being a seal just like there's not a whole lot that conveys from being a you know a professional sports star you have to figure out what you're going to do next and and transition and and apply all the discipline and all the things that you learned as a special operator to whatever your next gig is. But yeah, very lonely and, uh, and very humbling. One of the bullet points that, uh, I am interested to hear you talk about, and I'm sure it's referenced in the upcoming book, be visionary by Marty strong is the key differences between leadership and management. Would you talk about that? Yeah. I, so I wrote a book called be nimble that came out in January of this year. It focuses a lot on that particular topic, the, uh, the difficulty in managing and leading through chaos and crisis, whether it's driven internally by a strategic decision to pivot in, in a new direction or to ramp up sales and the stress that that puts on an organization, or whether it comes from an external source, something like a pandemic or a highly aggressive competitor that is starting to eat your lunch. And I make the distinction in that book that I believe the definition of a, of a manager or management is a professional or professional team that makes sure that all the systems, processes, and the talent that that combine to be your resource base are functioning the way they're designed to be function designed to function. So when that starts to wobble and, and wiggle and starts to there's smoke coming out of the corners of it, managers go to the instruction book, go to the process chart, look at the systems guide pull out the resume and and look at those things as indicators of what to do. Usually it's just a little bit of maintenance or a small fix. What leaders do, what leaders are needed for, is when it's more than just that. It's when the whole system collapses. It's when you lose your top five uh, employees and you find yourself in a crisis internally. You can't manage your way through things like that. You can't manage your way through a competitor undercutting your prices or or beating you with pro- with uh, product quality because that requires a whole new way of doing business, a whole new way of thinking. And that's where leadership steps in. Now, you can be a manager with leadership skills or you can be the CEO or the president of a company that's the primary leader and you're sitting there in that lifeguard chair waiting for that moment where you need to step in and reimagine or redesign what the company and the organization is going to look like to get through that crisis. Once you're there, you know, lock everything down, create new guidebooks, instruction, checklists, et cetera, for which you got, and put the managers in charge. We're joined today by Marty Strong. One other note that I want to touch on, uh, there are ways that leaders can motivate naysayers who are a block or trying to undermine uh, change or momentum within an organization. I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, so in Be Visionary, I, I, I try to make it a primer on how to go, first, how to think vision, visionary thoughts, how to get into a discipline or a habit about 20 minutes a day to just think big thoughts, big picture ideas, start pushing your horizon out 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, even if it's scary and you don't have a lot of information. Just what do you think is going to happen? What could happen? And and then I segue right into how, to you, how do you build a team that helps you create a strategy, an operationally uh, effective strategy out of a vision. Because a vision is just basically a concept. Sometimes it's nothing more than a cardinal direction. Sometimes I'm like, we're going to go take that hill and hold that hill. So I walk everybody through that in the book, and then I get to the point which you just mentioned. There's 
there are people that are open-minded and think big thoughts and are excited by the creative uh, prospect of jumping in there and crafting the strategy and the, the battle plan to get to the to get get to the hill you know that you pointed out and then there's those people that aren't it's the you know, usually the it ain't broke don't fix it crowd now they're very they're very invested in the status quo and they don't see any reason for a big change now they're, they'd rather kind of roll up to the moment and then change incrementally but change doesn't happen that way it doesn't happen on your schedule so you have to get in front of it what i say in the book is you can basically take the naysayers and use them to essentially try to punch holes in your ideas use them like a, a think tank put them in a room say this is what i want you to do my creative group i, I call them the dream team my creative group is, is working through this and they are um they are going to uh come up with all these ideas and everything and then I want you guys to try to punch holes and to find something wrong with it and and by doing that what you're doing is you're keeping them involved you're engaging them and obviously they get to see exactly how the nuts and bolts of the plan were put together and you know what if they find something wrong with it that's a good thing that's something you, just, you need to address and fix yeah no question uh, I never learned anything from people that were complimenting me and so uh, sometimes having those uh, some books call them black hat thinkers. Uh, if they are harnessed in the right way, as you've discussed, uh, it can be a positive thing for any kind of process. Uh, right. Marty Strong is with us today. The book is called Be Visionary. Marty, where can people buy your book? Uh, both my books are available on Amazon.com, uh, Be Visionaries and Presale. But if you go to MartyStrongBeNimble.com, you'll find all my books, my novels, articles, it's about everything you'd ever want to know about Marty Strong. We're recording this on Election Day. Uh, do you feel like any of your books are relevant to uh, political candidates? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the be visionary part is probably a lot more applicable. I think politicians like normal people get, get sucked into groupthink and very short-sighted, tip-of-their-toes kind of expectations. They, they don't really sit back and think about what... what they think is going to happen at the local level, the national level, and globally, and uh, that's 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 too bad. I mean, in the military, there are exercises where they try to force generals and admirals to get in rooms and try to do those things to anticipate the future. But it kind of falls apart outside of that one that one small group of uh, people in our government. So, yeah, I think that's where politicians could really stop fighting about today and stop fighting about the status quo based on yesterday and, and start thinking about how we're going to get to the future. Marty Strong has been our guest today. Marty, thank you for uh, sharing some of your time with us, and we hope that people would check out your book and buy it today, both of them, as a matter of fact. Marty Strong, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me.